Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, and I want to thank you so much for joining me today, and that is whenever today is. So hopefully, God willing, things are going well for you, and uh, hey, we're getting ready almost for planting season in some parts of the country. I know the Midwest is locked in some some snow on the ground i think there's supposed to be a pretty good storm coming through just i shouldn't i say i should not say coming through because by the time you listen to this it already would have come through so but it is what it is right and we're grateful for the moisture because we're going to need that and uh and these new hybrids that we have today i mean they don't seem to be as sensitive to the planting date as the uh specifically the corn that we had years ago but still obviously the planting date is important because we have to uh harvest that sunshine that photosynthesis so hey we'll see as we uh there was a uh, friend of ours in church betsy katzenstein she was a retired dairy farmer and when i would ask her something like oh what's the weather supposed to say be tomorrow on uh, on saturday but betsy says i'll tell you on sunday so that's hey we'll see what it is when it's uh farming is like the indy 500 a lot of laps to go because the first lap works out good or bad it is not an indicator of anything and i want to give a big shout out a cat swamp road shout out to my friend jason he finally got his i shouldn't say finally because that's uh, uh that's giving a negative tone to it but uh he got his challenger and he sent me some pictures of it from the dealership he texted me some pictures and it's gorgeous and he was going to pick it up and take it home from he actually bought it in new jersey take it home to long island and then i also texted well i shouldn't say i texted because that's wrong is that um jeff who's jeff mondell who is going to be on a guest on on the on the road i gotta figure out a, a, a more a better way to say that on on the road or if it's poor english but uh in the prison system since you know that he is a prisoner they have something called jpay and uh they have this from what i understand from jeff there's a kiosk and i had to apply to get a jpay account i mean there's no there's no critical uh thing about it. i guess anybody could get it but then you have to buy these stamps and uh, it's not physical stamps and then uh, what you do is when you send an email to him it goes to his his jpay account and then every couple of days he could check it he has to go out out of his cell to this kiosk to check it <clears throat> and you could send some photos excuse me <clears throat> excuse me uh and send some photos but they have to be less than one meg so uh, thankfully the photos of the challenger that jason sent me were less than one meg and i uh sent them over to jeff and hopefully he'll be getting them soon i don't know how long it takes it seems to take 48 hours for it to go through it i they claim that they look at everything i don't know whether they look at everything or not but uh who knows i mean whatever so i don't see how they could possibly look at everything unless they have some sort of algorithm or something that picks up uh picks up some photos or i don't know i mean who knows in today's world what they do i think it's more of a uh, ruse than anything but they charge you uh, like 70 cents at six was well, 60 cents an email so it's <laughs> they should be in jail 
So uh, unbelievable. They get you coming and going. They charge the they charge the inmate, which is fine. I understand that. I'm certainly no liberal. And they charge the person that's communicating with them. So they're getting a minimum of a hundred a dollar twenty for each mail that's be, each email that's being sent to them. So uh, right. So at that particular point, then it should be less of our taxpayer dollars supporting the the. Uh, penal system but it never seems to be that way right it's like the school system over here in new jersey years ago we had no income tax i'm talking 45 years ago i was a little kid we had no income tax and they put it supposedly i was a little kid i don't know what my father told me they put it on the um I guess the ballot uh, to, for the citizens to vote on it. And supposedly the citizens back, I think it says 1974 or 1975, they voted it down. So then what happened was that all of the towns then got, well, I shouldn't say they got together, but the, what they did is they raised all the property tax. And I remember my father was going nuts because our property tax on the farm, like, I mean, it wasn't much, <clears throat> but it like quadrupled from one year to the next and they blamed oh well the the, the, the taxpayers didn't authorize the the uh it wasn't income yeah it was income tax it was income tax that's what it was i was gonna say not sales tax it was income tax so uh so they quadrupled and the taxes on the property the homeowners and the property owners and uh they got their money that way and then a year or two later they put the uh income tax in and then they never lay, they never lowered the property tax. So, hey, what are you going to do? It's good work if you can get it, that government work, right? Unbelievable. Imagine if a private business, a private enterprise, any type of private enterprise was run the way either the, the, the local governments, the state governments, and the federal government is run, they'd be out of business in, in two seconds. So, uh, and the thing basically is, I'm on my high horse here, right? Uh, but <clears throat> the thing is that, you know, it, yes, there's a there's a ton of of private businesses that are run very poorly, but the net result is that they end up most of the time going out of business. It may take a little bit of time, but they go out of business. But there's no way that you could that the township or the government, or the state goes out of business, right? Because they just keep spending money and they're raising the taxes, right? And if you don't like it, get out. Sell your property, sell your farm, sell your house. Somebody else will pay it. That's that's their attitude. Or at least it is here in New Jersey. So if it's some, if it's not like that someplace else, then reach out to me at Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com and let me know, and then maybe I will end up moving there. And, uh, and if you don't reach out to me, then I'm going to assume that it's the same thing where you are. So uh, that is basically that. I'm going to have to put the drag straw on and clear, clear my throat here. Hold on for a second. Yeah, right. That was more than a quarter mile past there, right? Unbelievable. You know, a uh, couple of things. Number one is that a, f- a week or two ago on the show, and it caused, uh, it caused, uh, I don't know, what, what should I say? Uh, a dialogue is probably the best word. I mean, it's hard to call it a dialogue when you're sending somebody emails, but I guess that's the, the qualifier for it. It's a dialogue. 
about the gentleman that contacted me about his Ford Escape. I think it was a 2017 or 2018 Ford Escape. And and it, uh, the start-stop stopped working. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, the general consensus of most people contacting me was that's a blessing. But obviously, this gentleman, in all due respect to him, said it worked for, I don't know, 70,000 miles and it stopped working. And which, you know, he's 100%, 110% correct. Because if something worked for 70,000 miles and then all of a sudden stopped working, then it's just like anything. That's a very good indicator of you to not ignore it and check it out. Same thing like with your body, with your, with your health. Say, geez, you know, I was always able to lift up my arm. Or I was always able to go up these stairs without being winded. And now I'm winded. Well, that's really a telltale sign. It's the canary in the coal mine. So he's 100% correct that he wants to pursue why it does not work even if he ends up shutting it off (laughs) but i don't think he does but anyway so i had told him that and he listened to the podcast and he got back to me with more information and he said that the car runs beautifully uh it does nothing wrong it runs perfectly and the only thing is that the start stop doesn't work when he comes to a uh excuse me to a traffic light or it comes to a stop i should say not a traffic light it doesn't shut off and but it does nothing wrong other than that so i had told him that the ford vehicles that i had and i have gm had gm vehicles and other vehicles nissans uh whatever that had your know, press vehicles that had start stop and it's so i was just referencing the ford since he had a ford and i said it seemed to be that it almost monitored the the brake pedal position and i thought and I, and I even said in that podcast in case you don't recall that i you know i couldn't look underneath the dash because they got everything covered on all these cars so you can't see anything you can't even see the engines anymore and uh i said and i was thinking they had a potentiometer on that the the brake pedal so in other words because i know that if i was sitting in a traffic light with a press vehicle and it it shut off and i just released the brake slightly that it it was some brake pedal movement that it would start back up and if i pressed it a little bit down again and the vehicle did not roll at that particular point i was just uh, moving the brake pedal a little bit and then it would shut back off if i pressed it further down again so i would assume excuse me i assumed that it was looking at a a delta a change in position of the brake pedal and had a a potentiometer on there um proximity sensor probably potentiometer and would say okay fine it's sort of movement and we use an algorithm to see what how much movement it is and what have you but at least in that particular instance it appears that i was wrong and um I guess that's the way I would have done it, but that doesn't mean anything. All right. So, <clears throat> what do I know? The, <clears throat> excuse me. And the thing is that, but what I found out subsequently is that that system looks at brake pr- brake pressure, line pressure in, uh, from the brake from the master cylinder. So it's looking at the brake, the hydraulic pressure so that would make sense why when i lifted my foot off the with the brake pedal a little bit i reduced the pressure in the brake lines and the engine would start and they push it back put it back on again it would so i i just uh, whatever 
I'm not going to second guess somebody's engineering. I personally think the whole system is a, is a screwy, screwball system. Anybody who does it in their vehicles, but uh, whatever. So, but I also did some research, and there's everything is an acronym today, and I should have written it down. I think it's called the BMS Battery Maintenance System whatever the heck that is. When I grew up, the battery maintenance system was the alternator and the voltage regulator. It was the battery maintenance system and the belt that ran the alternator. So, But supposedly, <clears throat> this BMS, and in this particular instance with the Escape, and like I said, I'm not shooting a black eye to Ford by no means because I'm sure everybody else's is just as complicated, that there's three and a half pages of diagnostic data. A diagnostic routine, a diagnostic uh, uh, diagnostics to find out why the start stop doesn't work. So the thing is that, but according to what I, the research I did, that if you reboot, that sometimes this battery maintenance system, which is not a system, it's a computer virtual. I don't want to say virtual computer deal. It's not like you say, oh look, there's a battery maintenance system module. Let me go tap it with a screwdriver. It's no, no, no. <coughs> it's a soft. Excuse me. <coughs> it's a software deal, and this battery maintenance system uh, sometimes needs to be rebooted and specifically if the battery went dead once let you left the lights on or something killed the battery or the battery was disconnected for some reason and put back on and the way and supposedly from what i understand uh you need a i don't want to say a tool an apparatus that ford has that is uh that you go in there and you tell it to reboot the bms i think it's bms battery maintenance system and then it reboots it so it's not like you could say, well, I could disconnect the battery or I could do this or I could uh, open the hood and do a Watusi dance on it or something. And it's going to, no, you need all of these tools. And that's, you know, gets back to the other thing I'm saying is that I'm, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, which I'm so famous for, you know, with this right to repair with agricultural equipment. All right. So you're going to go this, oh, you got to re you got to reboot the XYZ. Well, all right, you got to bring it to the dealer. Well, it's going to be the same thing. You're going to do. You're going to buy. I mean, I, I saw the machine that they used to reboot it. It's a battery alternator tester. It's not like a SunVat forty. It's just, right. The thing probably costs twenty thousand dollars, at least ten thousand dollars. So I'm not going to buy it to reboot my BMS if I need it. And and likewise, in the same vein, if a farmer has a combine or has something, it's okay, fine, you got the right to repair. All right, so yeah, yeah, what you got to do is got to reboot your BMS. And I'm not saying it has a BMS, but or your XYZ. Okay, how do I do that? Well, you're going to have this special machine for $20,000, but you got the right to repair, so you could buy it now for 20000 So it's just, the world is, is just messed up. I'm sorry. And uh, it, it, it seems like every week, on this show i'm getting more and more cynical but it's such an overly complicated deal but i wanted to pass that on to you that if you do have at least a ford vehicle and it's not working properly then it may just need to be rebooted with the bms and if you bring it to the dealership that should not be much of i can't see it being more than an hour's charge of labor but today in a dealership that's probably 110 dollars or so if not more depending upon where you are listening from where you live because it seems that it's just a plug-in into the uh, OBD2 connector, and you tell it you want to reboot this, and it goes, boop, and it reboots it, and that is basically it. So I uh, wanted to pass that on to you guys. 
and uh, you know, the frustration with all of this modern equipment. And it, you know, it, it gets to be, uh, you know, technology for the sake of technology. And in engineering years ago, we used to call it parlor tricks. Well, look, I can make this happen. Look, I can do it. And it's, you know, it's like, like the old days in the vaudeville and you're doing parlor tricks. And, and even though the engineering is uh, very good, very sound, it's so overly complicated because once you do this, even like the stupid start-stop, which we've been talking about for weeks now, I mean, when you look at what they have to look at, the line pressure on the brakes, you look at the AC pressure, you look at this, look at the alternator output, what the what the load shedding is on the engine, and unbelievable. And, and to tell you the truth, I don't feel that I, it's... it's uh, I don't feel it saves anything whatsoever, because if you true, I mean, if you truly look at how a fuel injected engine starts, all right. Granted, it's it's going to have a longer pulse width to get it to start, even though it's going to it's warm as it's going to crank right over because the cranking speed is less, and there's a lot of dynamics there. And yes, I know the processes today are completely different and they're very fast and there's a lot of lot of things, but it's really arguable how much that really is saving as far as fuel is concerned. And also it's it's probably not even arguable at all that <clears throat> what it's saving as far as emissions are concerned because today's vehicles are so clean. And I know on most systems that if you don't negate it and you get into traffic after 10 stop cycles, so if you're bumping into, well, like I was going to the farm machinery show, right, and I'm bump, it took me 45 minutes to get in there. After 10 cycles of it being shut off after in a, in a traffic situation like that, <clears throat> the system automatically defaults and goes off by itself. So all of that, the, the vehicles could probably be $10,000 cheaper if they took all this garbage out of them. So that basically is it. Want to touch base with that, uh, touch base with you on that. And it seems that very few people really know how that system works. And I mean technicians, and it's no disrespect to them whatsoever, how it works. And it also is... Uh, uh, is just overly complicated and you're just like my throat here right i mean i've been going to uh to doctors for quite some time and trying to get this situation taken care of and i don't know whether it's a combination of allergies some some doctors said it's a reflux i, I don't know what it is but uh then you talk to them so oh, that's not so bad what are you worried about so i said well i got a radio show and i have a podcast i can't be you know clearing my throat every two seconds and they don't oh, 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 oh. so so basically the reason why i'm telling you that is because here it is a bodily function uh uh, uh that you're getting no results with going to the medical community and just like uh with this with with machinery right oh no codes in the computer no codes in the computer everything is fine but it doesn't work no codes in the computer that's what you hear like a parrot most most mechanics today all they know how to say is no codes in the computer no codes in the computer problem not found pnf problem not found so but that leads me then again hey let's go another couple of seconds i could be 20 minutes into this show but uh, that leads me into what i'm going to talk about today and the topic of my show is diagnosing a re reduction in power 
a reduction in performance in a turbocharged engine, both gasoline or diesel. Because it's a lot like this start-stop. It's a lot like my throat clogging up, right? Is that no problem found, but it doesn't work right. No problem found. And if you get into... uh, working with turbocharged engines and most farm machine most farm diesels for the past probably 20 years have done more turbocharged and then today there are so many turbocharged engines on in pickup trucks and passenger vehicles and then what they've basically done is they've downsized the engines and then they put the turbocharger on it because whenever you have forced induction and specifically a turbocharger, you're tricking the engine. It's like, you know, they used to say, people who would drink, I never drank, uh, drink milk, but they say beer muscles. And we all knew some guys like that, right? Growing up, they, they go out someplace and they, they drink a get, they drink a, a couple of glasses of beer or something, and all of a sudden, ah, they want to fight with everybody and do everything. And uh, we had a, uh, when I was younger, we had a guy that uh, he used to do that and then he wanted to box with everybody. And then he uh, he uh, ended up going into the Navy out of high school. And he said, I'm going to go box in the Navy. And then I remember seeing him. And, uh, and he, he was on the verge of being a wise guy. I mean, the, you had to, I mean, he would, he would push your buttons and you didn't have to know how to push his buttons back. But uh, he used to walk around, you know, air boxing all the time, and and jump. so, uh, which is great. I mean, whatever. I mean, if you're a great boxer, you're a great boxer. Nothing wrong with that. So, uh, but to walk around the street like punching at the air is kind of wacko. And then you know he'd walk on the street, and if there's a, a tree there, and the branches were hanging down leaves, he'd be boxing with the leaves. <laughs> God bless him. But anyway, so. But the story is, is that so right out of school he didn't want he wanted to go into the navy. He says I'm going to go into the navy, which is admirable, love it, great, fantastic. All right, go into the navy and I'm going to box in the navy. So, okay, so he wanted to uh, you know be on a navy ship and then he wanted to be box in the navy. Then uh, he was already out of base. Uh, he was out of basic, so he probably was well. It was probably his first leave after basic training. And he was on his ship, and I remember seeing him, and his name was Vinny. I said, hey, Vinny, how's it going? Yeah, you know, yeah. And uh, you know, it's amazing how six or eight weeks, probably was more than eight. Well, I did see him after basic, but uh, that uh, completely changed his demeanor. I mean, that's something about, you know, uh, basic training. That'll, that'll take the wise guy out of everybody. So, uh, so basically changed his demeanor and then i saw him after he came back from his first leave after he was on a ship i said to him vinny how's the you box on the ship you box on the ship you know how's the boxing going right so he says are you crazy he goes those guys are nuts he goes, <laughs> he goes i got in the ring the first time that guy knocked me right out he says these guys are these guys are animals he says i'm not boxing the navy anymore i i did it like twice and i just got my patootie kick we'll say that but he didn't use that word so it's amazing how how things change but how am i using this as a segue into turbochargers is that just like vinnie thought that he was going to go into the navy and box and what have you and he probably could have if he didn't have his uh if he didn't think he was that wonderful 
But when you have an engine that's turbocharged and now the performance starts to change, which we were talking about just like the gentleman with the start-stop or something changed, it's still running. It, it doesn't have no power. It either has less power or less throttle response or has some other characteristics like my throat. And that's an indicator of something being wrong something changing right and that's so important whether you're growing crops or anything in life i mean most of the time in life when something not good happens and i'll just use that it may not be proper english not good somebody gets a divorce this happens that happens you end up losing your job and there's rare instances where things come out of the blue but usually it's not out of the blue it's usually we chose to ignore the warning signs of what that was showing us that was it was the the precursor to what was going to happen and uh, as i said i'll repeat it that's not all the time but we choose to ignore those signs until it's too late so somebody's always late for work <clears throat> i had a guy when i had my shop he was always taking always, always late always taking time off oh you know uh, one of those you know, come late leave early type of guys he was okay when he was there he was a very good fabricator and uh so he was very good to you say hey we got to make this bracket we got to do this he was excellent at that but you know and then one day i couldn't take it anymore i said to him hey i won't even use his name i said then said to him hey look i gotta let you go i said i can't deal with it oh well, I just got married. I said, ah, well, you should have thought of that the past year that you've been coming in late and leaving early. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that uh, <clears throat> I said, you've been ignoring all of my warning signs that I've given you and you thought because I'm a nice guy that I'm not going to pull the trigger on this. Well, you know, you're sinking my business. I can't be paying you and then and 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 not have this productivity. So in essence, we have to pay attention to things. And and this and as i said the segue i'm using for this is that if you look at so if you have a turbocharged engine gasoline or diesel and you start to have this this i'm not gonna say it doesn't feel the same as it used to could be a whole bunch of different things it could be uh a, a decrease in power because no power is easy to die that's like a flat tire right oh look let's look for the nail or the screw or the corn stalk that went through it a slow leak is harder to find all right so if you start to have this degradation of power or drivability or throttle response or fuel economy or a combination of all the above there is i'll tell you firsthand that there is not a diagnostic routine for that and how i learned it firsthand is because i was blessed it was not a blessing at the time it was uh, it was a curse at the time but so many times in life things are blessings reveal themselves as something other than being a blessing the polar opposite until it plays completely out and in this particular instance uh, the blessing the the blessing ended up being giving me a practical education that i could not have gotten anywhere so i had gotten involved when i had my shop with the turbocharged buick regals the grand nationals and the t-types but they were it was and they would call it the grand national engine the t-type was just a trim a different body trim and interior versus the grand national and uh so because i had a i, I was working in a buick dealer at the time and they introduced this and uh yeah, i'd never worked on a turbocharged engine before and uh 
So there was a lot, there was a lot of innovations there, and uh, I I was successful working on them. And then when I went into went into business, I was successful at <clears throat> tuning and modifying them to make more power. Into, and those cars were easy, easy, easy peasy to to make into an eleven second car. <laughs> it, was, it was so easy; it was a sin. I mean, you took a 13 9 car and you made it into 11 second car and you could still drive it to california if you wanted to go when i mean 11 11 80s 11 90s if you wanted to go 11 50s 11 40s in the quarter mile well that was a whole different ball game baby you lost a lot of um a lot of dead use and then now all of a sudden this wasn't a car you were driving to california so it's amazing how you're right at the at the cusp like a surfer riding that wave and they should tell people you don't want to go any faster than this if you want to go faster take weight out of the car but you really couldn't take weight out of the car because there's nothing to take out i mean you take out the air conditioning so uh, i mean one guy i said to him look I, I forgot what his name was we'll call him frank i said frankie you know you're like 400 pounds all right it's amazing the car is going that fast you know go on a diet it'd be good for your health and look at it that way you know you're gonna make your car faster by losing weight and he goes to me hey you're right i should lose weight my wife's been telling me so uh <clears throat> so anyway but what had happened with that and was you you would modify this car and they started to come up with different turbos and what have you modify the car and the car be running fantastic and then doing everything everything right and then over time uh it would start to slow down so i mean slow down meaning it wasn't as quick at the drag strip all right et in miles per hour <clears throat> so you would check everything over right and you know you'd look there's no codes there's no nothing block learn multipliers right integrator is right there's nothing has changed all right it's it's, it's driving fine and it's not making the power it did anymore and you have to realize is that just like when you go into a yield contest for a crop and i always pick on corn because i grow corn not for a yield contest is that you know these guys are down to like the decimal point in bushels and that's what basically happens with drag racing and because it's only 1320 feet so everything comes under a microscope if you were doing uh road racing or a roundy round racing or dirt track racing obviously that's not the type of car you would do it with but just using that as a qualifier is that it would not be, become such a microscope it wouldn't be so glaring but in a drag strip when you're a drag racer is that it's like a mouse in the house at night any slight drop in performance becomes so glaring whether it's a half a mile an hour or a tenth of a second or the, what they call the 60 foot time or short time is off or something it becomes so glaring it's right in your face is oh i'm off a tenth i'm off a tenth you know and then so what happens is that you would have these cars and they would over time they would start to slow down and i don't mean going from 11 11 90 car to a 13 second car from a car that would run 11 90s and now it's yeah, running 12 tens 12 15s 12 20s in that ballpark so it's off two or three tenths if you took a stranger for a ride and you think that the, i think it was a rocket ship so what i quickly found out is that there are there are no diagnostic routines there are no 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 books no nothing for my grant to, to look up and follow a flow chart that says my grand national lost two tenths in a quarter mile so what happened was that you had to 
learn what was going on and the same thing is happening with your equipment so you have a a john deere tractor you have a case sprayer you have a uh you have a peterbilt truck with a cat in it right which that would be older right with a cat in it whatever you have you have a a, 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 a ram with a cummins in it or it makes no difference all right you have an irrigation pump that might be hard to quantify but anyway but you get the idea and it's just not it's not it's just not there anymore but does nothing else wrong there's not a diagnostic procedure for that that diagnostic procedure and that's what i learned with the turbochargers is that you have to you have to fully understand what's going on and how that system works and then you could start to diagnose it so that's what we're going to talk about today and hopefully you could apply it if you have that instance so the first thing that you that you need to understand that you need to recognize is that you must be familiar with that engine that turbocharge engine what i mean familiar familiar with how it runs how it performs and when you have a business like i had i just knew that i would have to look at the person's time slips and say the guy says no it's well i mean i would trust them i mean it slowed down a tenth and a half it slowed down a mile an hour it slowed down two miles an hour all right so the thing is that you so you have to have something to uh to 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 qualify what's going on and possibly even quantify it right it put it so i was able to quantify it and put a number to it whereas in for instance if you're saying well i um, i put a load of grain on here and i go to the elevator and i pull this one hill uh she doesn't want to pull it so good anymore i gotta drop down the gear you know where i never had to drop down the gear before so or i'm pulling you know i'm pulling the same planter i'm pulling this the same big planter center fill planter or the same the the, the same piece of tillage equipment and it, it it's not pulling it like it used to so that is uh that is where the the problem comes about and if you were to most likely bring that piece of equipment to a professional organization whether it's a dealership a professional a mechanic shop or what have you is that they would probably in most instances i'm not going to paint everybody with the same brush not know what to do with it all right so they say ah it's just uh, uh, whatever so all right so the first thing that you need to do is you need to know the way the engine normally performs the second thing that you need to do if you don't already have this is on any of your and most most pieces of diesel equipment will have turbocharged diesel equipment will have a boost gauge in them you you should really get into the habit and you could buy a boost gauge like from Autometer or somebody like that a hot rod type of boost gauge all right and you could put it in the cab but if it doesn't have one already <clears throat> from the factory put it in the cab with a tractor a combine a sprayer a semi what have you all right the thing is that in most applications the, the all that's going to do is hook up to a vacuum line so it's a mechanical boost gauge it's going to hook up to a thin vacuum line you're going to tee into something under the hood you're going to run it into the cab or into the vehicle the pickup truck or what have you and the thing is that usually the complicated the, the complicated part of that is mounting it nicely 
So if you have an $80,000 pickup truck, you want to make sure it's mounted nicely. If you have a $600,000 combine, you want to make sure it's mounted nicely. You want to be drilling holes in. So so that is that is something, and there's a lot of pillar mounts that you could buy. If you revert to the hot rod world, there's a lot of pillar mounts that you could buy that actually get attached to a pillar or something in the vehicle or the machine with double-sided tape and doesn't have you violate anything and the other thing basically that comes into play is that the other complication in and specifically today getting back with that start stop right is that for you to put to to power up the light so that when you turn the lights on the headlights on the instruments lights come on that the gauge lights up well i'm going to just say something to you is that you're using this gauge not to watch it all the time you're using this boost gauge for you to get familiar with the characteristics of the boost profile on this engine so you know when you pull this hill all right when you do this when you pull a planter when you you know when you pull in the spread whatever it is <clears throat> so you're getting you're getting to know it so don't let the obstacle of it not be not lighting up if it's overly complicated to get into the lighting circuit to get into the switch and you don't want to and I don't, I don't blame you i've got a eight hundred thousand dollar combine i don't want to start violating it going in there and and then tapping into wires so if it doesn't work at night unless you know unless you only operate at night <laughs> the thing is that if it doesn't work at night don't let that be a stumbling block and i certainly understand because that would probably bother me to no end that it doesn't light up at night but if you're not in that piece of equipment at night who cares right be, but i'd rather have the data and the familiarity with the boost profile instead of having and and losing that information because it doesn't want to light up now as a technician as a mechanic you may say to yourself fine you don't even have to mount this gauge you could use this buy this boost gauge but get you get some vacuum line and keep it in your toolbox so the thing is that so you could go and say hey Kate, i'm gonna go uh, i'm gonna go plant right so you could run this temporarily through the window through the windshield through a hole in the firewall or the cab whatever then put it on the seat with you or put it someplace and put it on actually today they have those cell phone mounting uh those holders and stuff i mean anything just mickey mouse it so you could be familiar with the boost profile you don't have to run you know look at the boost profile 24 hours a day or when every time you're driving it or using that piece of equipment so you could take that news as a diagnostic tool not even mounting there so all right i'm planting for next two or three days i'm going to look at the boost profile on this engine i'm i'm, I'm going to be uh towing a trailer i'm going to pick up fertilizer i'm going to look at the boost profile on my pickup truck so that's all and and you may say to yourself okay fine well i have a pickup truck like i had a uh press vehicle it was a uh a couple well a couple years ago was new at the time f2 f150 uh the best one where they have platinum platinum i think that the one that's above the king ranch i think it's called platinum and it had the uh the raptor engine in it twin turbo 3.5 eco boost 500 horsepower so that had a boost gauge in it but the boost gauge was useless uh, the reason why it was useless is because all it was had no numbers and it just had a little needle so it just you saw when you were in boost so the thing is that i want you or i suggest that you be, are able to quantify put a quantity put a number to the boost profile 
all right because just the, the gauge and just like temperature gauges today they had dampened and and the same thing was back years ago with the grand nationals they had a series of lights on the dashboard because it was that digital disco era and so it went into boost it would light up these different lights and then you know when it went all the way over to the orange it was full boost what full boost was you had no idea all right because it was just a digital a digital uh, thing off of a sensor and so you want to get some numbers for that so now let's say you've determined that the power the power level is down and uh, it could be on on uh, a pickup truck gasoline could be diesel could be whatever i don't want to keep repeating that but i want to drive that home that this is not specific to a certain type of engine compression ignition a spark ignition or what have you so now you say to yourself and if you have a lot of equipment you may want to take a notebook with paper and pencil notebook not an ibm notepad all right and then however you want to do it it's fine and, and you get to know your equipment you say okay fine this thing usually runs 20 pounds of boost what i'm doing is 10 pounds of boost what have you but what you want to basically do is a lot of people <clears throat> excuse me fall into that trap where they just look at the total boost and the premise of this podcast today is that lots of times the total boost number will be the same and you will have a lack of performance as the engine transitions up to i'll say maximum boost or full boost so you want to be able to pay attention when you're looking at that gauge of the of the what they would call the boost profile how much boost comes in early how quickly it comes in and how it climbs so the thing is that because when you start to have an issue and you have a, a a degradation in performance it's usually at the transition it's not at the maximum level maybe in maximum level you will have a drop in performance but it's usually much more apparent during the transition that's why i made the example of saying i used to be able to pull this hill in this gear or i used to be able to pull this tillage tool this way it is planted this way and now i'm seeing that because lots of like you know it's it's it, it's the transition usually is where the lack of power is you can have a lack of power with uh, obviously if you're running less boost if always ran 30 pounds of boost and now you're running 20 pounds of boost you're going to have that lack of power but don't but don't fall into that trap so you need to pay attention to the transition and you need to pay attention to the to the peak or maximum amount of boost pressure now the thing that i want you to recognize is that this is a plumbing system that there is exhaust feeding the turbine and the turbine is spun by the exhaust i we went through this before over the years and 99 percent of you know it's like a grist mill like a water wheel and the expand and the, the, the exhaust going past the turbine is going to spin it and then the turbine is on a shaft and on the other side of the shaft is the compressor wheel and that spins the opposite way so some people call the turbine side the hot side and the compressor side the cold side or whatever you want to call it but it's <clears throat> it's proper names are turbine and compressor and so the thing is that so keep in mind that anything that is going to impact the amount of exhaust going past that turbine at the temperature of that exhaust all right and the velocity of that exhaust is going to have an impact positive or negative on that 
boost profile because it's in it's directly going to impact how fast that the compressor wheel is spinning so the thing is that you could have a small exhaust leak all right and uh and that's one of the things that i i have an issue with whether i think they sound terrible like no disrespect like uh, there's a couple of engines that i think sound terrible when they when they when they're not muffled properly number one is a harley with straight pipes i think a harley from the factory sounds beautiful it sounds you could you could hear the 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 firing events so which is which a lot of people like it's muffled it's it's controlled it's just really really nice all right Uh, a a harley that's closed up a harley with straight pipes is like uh, have somebody i mean that's not music to an engine guy that's just noise sorry no disrespect um a mazda rotary that's modified and has open header on it (laughs) oh my god that's that's like how much how much will i have to pay you to shut that off right they those those sound terrible and then you could have a a semi which is a big a big diesel engine with straight pipes and it sounds terrible to me especially they have a jake brake on it they they released a brake and terrible terrible that's just noise that's like somebody pounding on a drum with no rhythm to it just not pounding on something and i know somebody who's listening is going to be insulted i don't mean to insult you but what i do want to tell you is that when you do that and i'm talking about the, the the straight pipe on a diesel all right is that you're making so much noise that you cannot really detect whether you have an exhaust leak that is feeding the turbine side of the turbocharger because you're making so much noise that it may you can't hear it whatsoever all right so just like you have a a a lot of noise like that you can't hear if a rocker arm is making noise uh, loose so so number one keep in mind that any exhaust leak is going to impact how much velocity and how much volume is going past that turbine and also keep in mind is that the way that actually works it's not only velocity it's truly it's actually the expansion of so it is velocity it is exhaust velocity and it's also the expansion of the exhaust gas so the the expansion of the exhaust gas along with its velocity but more the expansion is what's running that turbine so anything that you have there that's a leak or what have you is going to affect that now keep in mind get back to the saying the canary in the coal mine which i use but i hate because i'm an animal lover and the poor canaries in a cage in a coal mine so god knows if they even ever took care of them but i won't go there the thing is that any other thing that's going to impact the health of the engine is going to have an effect on its exhaust so so if the cam timing is off let's say the cam the timing chain and most big diesels don't so talking gas here have the the cam phase change that's going to impact it the cylinder ring seal that's going to be on the other side we're going to talk about that so the dynamics of the engine all right the fueling of the engine is all going to impact that so just like when you plant the crop the seed to soil contact the 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 nutrients that are available all right the amount of moisture 
All right, all of that's going to come into play. So you have to keep that. You have to keep that in mind. So now that is on the exhaust side. The exhaust side is the easier side to diagnose. All right, because if you could get the exhaust and the fuel curve right in the expansion, then everything is going to fall into place. Now let's get to the compressor side, which is more problematic. Now, what happens with the compressor side? You could have everything beautiful, beautiful inside, and and now it's all spinning it's doing what's supposed to do but now you have this compressor and it's blowing this air and if it's got fuel and air mixed together it's called charge that's why sometimes it's called a charge air cooler but that's actually incorrect because there's only air specifically on a diesel or even on a gasoline engine there's only air going through there now they were there were years ago what they call blow through carburetor whatever but blow through carburetors but usually they were not intercooled uh, the intercooler was prior to that so anyway i don't want to get off on a tangent too is that what will happen is that the 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 air that's being compressed the compressed air we'll call it that is going into the engine so anytime that you have some sort of potential vacuum leak let's say like the wrong pcv valve or a pcv valve that is sticking on a gasoline engine well that is going to bleed off the boost pressure now you have to remember that on a on a gasoline engine any application all right that you're going to have three dynamics as far as what's happening inside the intake manifold and when you read boost pressure on a gasoline or a diesel, you're reading manifold pressure. You're not reading the cylinder pressure. You're reading what's getting into the manifold. So if something, if it's losing it afterwards, then that's the problem, all right? So the thing is that, so there's three different scenarios. There's vacuum, which is, which is, which is less than atmospheric pressure. So if you have, so you, you have this uh, EcoBoost F-150, and you're going down the road and part throttle light load all right flat road you may be at five inches of vacuum ten inches of vacuum so that means that the that the engine is under a vacuum in the intake manifold that there's less than atmospheric pressure and then you start to step on the throttle a little bit and it goes from vacuum to zero vacuum so that means we're at equilibrium all right we're at parity that the manifold in in the intake manifold the pressure is the same as the atmosphere, more or less, all right? It's the accuracy of the gauge, all right? Now, once the turbocharger starts to spin, we go into boost pressure. So now the pressure in the manifold is above atmospheric pressure. And why this is important is because when you're in vacuum, if you have a vacuum line with a leak, loose connection, you have, it's actually sucking on to the fitting because the vacuum it's a low pressure region now if you have a vacuum line with a hole in there it's so loose and obviously it's going to escape but you will have you could have a line that's starting to deteriorate starting to loosen up starting to crack and actually under vacuum it may not leak and this kicks a lot of people's uh in their in their sixes they would say in the military because it doesn't leak under vacuum 
and it doesn't leak under zero vacuum, which is atmosphere, but starts to leak when it's under boost. The same thing happens with AC lines, and this has nothing to do with boost, is that you have an AC line in any piece of equipment, and the AC line starts to deteriorate. Well, what's going to happen is that in the pressure, specifically on the high pressure side, right, when the pressure gets to a certain point, it's going to start to leak through the deteriorated hose. If AC line hose, if you have a if you have a hole in it, well, you got a hole in it, right? That's just like a hole in a tire. So you need to keep that in mind. And often on a gasoline engine, <clears throat> you have a series of cumul- cumulative vacuum leaks. Minute, the engine runs fine, but you're losing a little boost pressure here, a little pressure here, a little pressure here, and and you know and. Uh, and that's and i've done a show on this probably two years ago on evap systems on gasoline engines that they do an obd2 they do an actual vacuum test on it all right so they well they they do a vacuum test they want to see if it leaks if it holds it so keep that in mind so if you have starting to have a lower uh, excuse me the boost profile is not what it should be that you need on a gasoline engine you need to look for potential leaks so the thing is that the turbocharger is doing what it's supposed to do but it would be like turning on a garden hose and say well i got i got water here but there's very little coming out the end because the hole has a the hose has a hole in it and the same thing to a certain extent on a diesel because even though it doesn't have a modern diesel has vacuum lines that you need to but the, the take-home message here is that something may leak on may not leak under suction but leak under pressure we'll leave it at that all right the next thing that you have to recognize is that the wastegate on a turbocharger is what controls the boost boost pressure and it's a bypass because remember we said that the the amount of exhaust and the expansion of the heat against the turbine wheel is going to impact how fast it spins so the wastegate is a bypass it bypasses so there's most applications have a wastegate actuator which have a spring in it over years time thermal cycles movement the spring could get weak and that means that the wastegate is opening up sooner so you may say to yourself okay i'm with you with that hot rod but it should not impact the the boost profile and i will say to you that that is not correct because there's a diaphragm in there with a spring and the diaphragm over time depending upon how it wears the right the, the the spring right in it is a lot of dynamics that are involved and when stuff gets heated cooled it gets all different things gasoline or diesel is that its response time changes things happen and 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 it it does have the potential ability to impact the boost profile just because its response is not proper its response time is not proper so that is something for you to keep in mind the other thing that you want to keep in mind is that the wastegate if and most applications have what's called an internal wastegate it's got a lever in the in the turbine housing with a little excuse me a little metal disc on there and that could get carbon on it it could freeze up especially like on a combine when i mean freeze up get stuck all right and may not seal like a and then again it's like a drippy faucet in a sink is that you could have a wastegate that's not sealing properly you'll eventually 
you get up to maximum boost but its transition its boost ramp is going to be much lower so you need to think about that all right getting back to as far as the induction as far as the induction system into the engine from the compressor side if you have a if it has an intercooler you want to call it a charge air cooler technically it's wrong but i know that the people that that the manufacturers call it that is that you could have a pinhole you have connections there's rubber connections there there's clamps that hold it because it can't be it has to be it, it has to have some flexibility as the engine moves all right the best way for you to check those and i said it time and time again and you know invest in a smoke tester and i've said this so many times you don't have to buy a five thousand dollar one you could buy a few hundred dollar one all right it may take a little bit longer to smoke uh, uh c13 in 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 a kenworth than it would uh your wife's eco 2.7 liter eco boost in her pickup truck but get yourself a smoke tester because lots of times what will happen is that you will lose this boost profile because you have a, a bunch of cumulative small leaks and often uh specifically on a road vehicle it could happen on any could happen on a piece of farm equipment but road vehicle is that you'll start to get up some pinholes or something you may hit a bird going down the road you may hit something a rock comes up or whatever and and puts a pinhole in that intercooler core because it's a heat exchanger just like a just like a radiator but it's air to air so it's the compressed air going to the atmosphere heat exchange thermal change to the atmospheric air has fins has everything like a radiator but the, the smoke tester is obviously not going to tell you if the fin profile is, is messed up but you will be surprised you smoke test it and you'll see a whole bunch of cumulative little leaks and then and uh well well worth it well worth it not an expensive tool and like i said you don't you're not doing it for a living so if you buy a smaller one say it takes me a half hour to to fill up this this induction path on this uh you know uh, c13 cat well so what takes you half out put it on it it's non-toxic it's non-flammable walk away have a cup of coffee do something else or come back in an hour and it'll just be like a tea kettle on a on a on a stove which making steam so you need to be concerned with that all right you need to be concerned with also uh, and i said that's gasoline and diesel and you need to be concerned uh with the 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 health of the turbocharger because if the bearing starts to wear and they usually usually floating bearings if the bearing starts to wear and the shaft has too much play in it it could be up and down play or side to side play then that energy of the everything could be right everything else but that energy of the expansion of the exhaust gas and the velocity and flow of the exhaust gas off the turbine that energy is going to be consumed part of it all right moving that shaft or up and down all right so the thing is that and that shaft wiggling around so that's something you need to recognize the other thing that most people don't recognize is that the state of balance of a turbocharger in the balance because that needs to be balanced people say i can rebuild it myself hot rod you're full of it right i can buy a kit and put new bearings and seals on and i do redo the cartridge yes you can i'm not going to deny that but you're not going to be able to balance it and the balance a fine balance is going to allow all of that 
that potential energy to transfer the kinetic energy because the potential energy is in the expansion of the exhaust coming past the turbine and now if this thing is 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 not balanced properly and it's going up and down and moving around well you're losing that energy do you think these guys with these drag race engines or these tractor pull guys those things are balanced to the to the nth degree because they want that boost to come up as soon as possibly can and they want to have the full boost they don't want to have the energy of the exhaust going and moving up and down and doing a dance they want it all working in the in the in the, in the motion to spin that turbocharger all right so we have potential leak sites so let's recap we have leak sites on the exhaust we have leak potential leak sites on the intake side we have a potential leak site with the uh uh, the wastegate we have potential lazy response or what have you uh all of the above with the or weak spring in the uh wastegate uh, actuator all right we have in the smoke test we have to be concerned with balance all right and then with mechanical issues one of the biggest things and i'm going to close now with this is that when the people used to have the grand nationals and i'm using that as an example because there was nothing any place written that the ring seal on the engine was going away now remember i'm going to repeat it as we get ready to close that i'm going to repeat it that a drag strip you're looking at things under a microscope all right it's like it's like using a profilometer to read a machine a surface like on a deck of a head or a block or the cross hatch on a cylinder wall so you're looking at it with a microscope and what was very common is that the ring seal started to go away so that's the top ring and the second ring not the oil ring that's oil control so the two compression rings the ring seal would start to go away and then the turbocharger was doing everything properly, but what was happening was that we the turbocharger is beautiful. It was it was, it was creating and delivering <clears throat> the the manifold pressure, all right, and the CFM of air. So now remember the boost gauge reads the pressure in the manifold. So the guy would say, "Look, I'm still running whatever 25 pounds like I did. The boost profile is fine. The boost is coming up. I come. I'm using a drag race. It's coming up. So, you know, I loaded against the converter. It's coming right up. Everything. But the engine is doggy. It's piggy. Well, that same thing can happen to your farm tractor, your semi, your sprayer, your pickup truck, whatever it may be. And I want to go through a litany here of applications because that means that's just like the garden hose at the end the end of the run the plumbing run is the air into the cylinders if the cylinder if the ring seal is poor then you're going to have 20 pounds of boost using that number its profile is going to come up fine because it's not reading the pressure in the mat in the cylinder it's reading the pressure in the intake manifold and it's leaking at the end and it's coming it's leaking at the end and it is going past the rings and going into the oil pan and pressurizing the oil pan on a on on a smaller engine if you start to see a lot of oil leaks around the oil pan all of a sudden and it's and it's also down on 
performance we'll use that term and then gets back to you knowing what the boost pressure is and say the boost pressure is the same and this thing is down on performance yes you could have a fueling problem you could have other problems but if it runs fine usually a fueling problem an ignition timing problem a cam timing problem will give some sort of telltale sign like i said you know things don't go bad overnight right i mean you want to ignore the signs but the things if you say that nah, you know it, it's 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 not doing anything it's not it, it's quiet as a church mass and, and, and everything then there's no other telltale sign that the, that the valve timing is off that the fuel curve is off it's just lazy lazier not performing properly is that that's usually a pretty good indicator of the of the uh cylinder seal going away now keep in mind that the cylinder seal even though in the particular the instance of the buick engines the grand nationals it was usually the ring seal going away but keep in mind that you could have a, a leakage that's going to affect the performance of the engine and the boost profile while the boost gauge reads perfectly all right and the ramp up on the boost gauge reads perfectly if you have valves that are not sealing or you have misadjusted valves so the thing is that the intake valve is not opening high enough and soon or the exhaust valve all right but lots of times it is the cylinder wall finish going away with the rings and and that's and on a on a gasoline engine you would want to do a leak down test on it on a diesel engine for all intents and purposes that is very difficult you would want to do a blow by test on it for that whatever they call for whether it's looking at cfm however it's measuring blow by but that is going that is that is usually where your problem lies and that's what would happen with the grand nationals the ring seal would go away and the reason why the ring seal would go away is that which has nothing to do with farm equipment <laughs> whatsoever <clears throat> but what would happen is that these guys would go to the drag strip and they'd run leaded 110 octane leaded racing gas in it and it would coat the oxygen sensor of course the oxygen sensor can't see leaded gas and it would coat the o2 sensor and when an o2 sensor starts to go away it defaults on the lean side so it tells the the ecu the engine controller that the engine is much leaner than it actually is so its response is to add more fuel and they would wash the rings what we would call an engine building wash the rings out you would wash the oil off the cylinder walls from such a rich air fuel ratio and we would say wash it off there would be some oil there but you would dilute it so much with the rich air fuel ratio that the ring package would wear exponentially and you would end up glazing over the cylinder walls so so that is that was what the problem was but now let's forget about that forget about Buell grand nationals forget about drag racing all right you have your wife's car you have your pickup truck it's gasoline right all right so you have this gasoline turbocharged engine and whatever it is and over time the oxygen sensor starts to degrade you're running that air fuel ratio richer and you are washing oil off the cylinder walls is it going to deteriorate to the at the is it going to deteriorate as quickly as a drag race engine no 
but five or 10,000 miles of being too rich, you're going to start to wear those rings out and you're going to lose boost, effective boost pressure. The manifold gauge will still show, even if you have the best gauge in the world, it's still going to show that, but the engine is going to be down on power. And that is why I've spoken about this on the show. It's so important to look at your fuel consumption uh, to monitor fuel consumption to look at things all right and to realize that an oxygen sensor on a gasoline engine is a consumable if you do a lot of idling you do a lot of short trip cycles your wife i'm picking my wife would say well you're picking on women i'm not picking on women but i mean you're whatever you, you you're a guy you're driving the kids to the court to the to the bus stop all the time right all these short these cold start cycles are very uh, going to put a going to impact you you let the engine warm up all the time you're going to have a much richer air fuel ratio on there and over time so if you let it warm up all the time so let's say arguably and i'm going to assign a number for easy arithmetic there's one and a half minutes of a richer air fuel ratio on the cold start that you're letting it idle before it, before it gets to the point where it's stoichiometric 14.7 to 1. So you do that every day. You have one and a half minutes times 365 days, or say one minute. Then over in one year's time, you have 365 minutes of 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 running rich and now you multiply that by two or three years and then you're starting to wear that ring package. And if it's a if it's a normally aspirated motor, well, you're probably not going to know it. It'll be a little bit lazier, but you're not really going to see it. But you want a turbocharged engine; it's going to become glaring. And that is why you know it's like it's like farming. Everything is collective. You could say, well, I put the best fertility package. I did this. If you have lousy seed to soil contact, if you have compacted soil and the root is coming out and the, the, the seed the seed is germinating and it's hitting and it's hitting the compaction and it's going sideways horizontally instead of going down. I mean, so it all comes together, and that's basically you know what what my shows were about giving you not making you an engineer not making you paranoid but just like you know we learned years ago right that you have to have you know traffic patterns in the field you can't ride all over the place right because now you can have compaction all over the place so the thing basically is is that it all comes together but the idea is going to start with you being familiar with the engine all right be familiar with the boost profile a boost gauge a, you could probably get one for less than $50 now. I mean, or 50 I don't know. When I bought mine years ago, it was like $25. I bought an autometer one. Do what you want, but you have to look at this. Invest in a smoke tester. I don't care what brand. You don't have to buy, repeating it, $5,000 one. Invest in it. Be mindful of it. Be mindful of intake exhaust leaks. Be mindful of intake air leaks. Remember, a turbocharger needs to be balanced, all right? And then as it wears, as stuff goes on, it's going to, it may kiss the, 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 the volute, all right? Or you put something through it, whatever. It needs to be balanced, all right? And you need to have all of this come together and then your boost profile and the engine will be fine. So that lack of performance specifically on a turbocharged engine is 
the term that I hate to use, the canary in the coal mine, that something is is not right. And if you have 30,000 hours on it, well, that's a different story. Well, the old gray mare ain't what she used to be, but you need to identify where that problem is. And keep in mind, it's not always cylinder seal. It could be valve seal also. So you just, hopefully this gave you, shed some light on it, all right, and you will start to do this. Don't be paranoid about it. Don't go nuts over it, but you need to be to know what you're looking at. Just like a high yield farmer knows, he goes in the field and he looks at things and he understands what's happening, or any diagnostician understands what's happening. So, any questions, feel please feel free to reach out to me and know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you. Uh, the American Farmer and Rancher, my beloved American. Don't forget to email me and get to that contest to win the Hot Rod Farmer license plate and the Fent I Care Smiles. Got so excited, I forgot all about it. Have a blessed day. Catch you next week. Bye bye.